I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the movie, movie lovers. lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we kick off our joy of film with the weekend review, what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode, then move on to the main event, which is a main review or main topic of discussion, and finish up with film faves, our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, we will have a short week in review as we discuss Minari, a movie we watched together, before... We head into our main review of Godzilla vs. Kong. And then we continue this clash of titans with film faves versus movies. We will be counting down our combined list of our 12 favorite movies with verses in the title. So this should be fun. <laughs> Let's dive in and talk about our weekend review, Minari. Now, this is a film that came out in February 2021. It is directed by Lee Isaac Chun about a Korean family that starts a farm in 1980s Arkansas. It is written by Lee Isaac Chun, and it stars Stephen Yun. Yuri Han, Alan Kim, and Yu Jun Yun, as well as a few others. I think uh, the Will Patton also co-stars in the film. This is a film that has been garnering a lot of award nominations. It's got 95 award wins so far, 215 nominations, and nominated currently for six oscars including i think best picture so this was one that we still needed to knock off our list of movies that are you know in prep for the academy awards that's coming up in a few weeks shannon what did you think of minari is it worth all the praise I think it is. It's this wonderful story about an immigrant family and how they're trying to make things work and also stay true to their own roots, right? They're, he's trying to grow Korean vegetables and he's trying to be a small business owner. So they're immigrants, small business owners. They're this family that's trying to make things work. There's so much happening in this film that I really relate to and it becomes so emotional for me and because I, you're an immigrant because I'm an immigrant and I am away from family there's this scene where the mom is gifted I don't think it was chili powder or maybe it was it was some sort of spice from home and right. she tastes by it by her mom by her mom and she tastes it and she just like practically start like just starts crying she's so happy to have that taste again and her mother brings her like this whole think of a grocery bag just filled with the spice and then she says and he has some anchovies too and it's no big deal to to her mom because like she's just come from there she hasn't had this time and space to miss those things and it's it's highly relatable you know and the moment where she can you know grandma comes and lives with them is 
is also this like yearning I have for my family to be here. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really you know, and then you have the relationship between husband and wife, and that's relatable if you're a married couple. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great movie. There's so much that's relatable about it, and so much of this movie is so authentic and true. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Stephen Young, Best dire- Directing, Lee Isaac Chun, Best uh, Supporting Actress, Yun Jong Yoon, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Original Score. That's Emil Mosseri. And most of those I can definitely attest to. I mean, Yujon Yun is such a gives it such a great performance as the grandma, and she is so well written to this character. She's kind of, for me, a, an unexpected delight in the film. I laughed <laughs> a lot in this yeah. movie because of that character, and she's also pretty much responsible for the title of the movie as well. I, yes, I think it is a really good film. I think it is definitely one of the best movies so far of 2021. I know it's nominated for 2020 movies, uh, thanks to the Academy having moved its deadline, but it, it, you know, it didn't come out officially until February. And so I put it up there with Nomadland, which also didn't come out till this year officially, as one of the best movies so far this year. We're very lucky to start off the year with such great films. So I found it moving. I found it funny. I didn't know where it was going at times. And so sometimes I was on the edge of my seat of what's going to happen, wondering what's going to happen. And it's also often very beautiful, gorgeously shot as well. So I think it's fair to say that we both highly recommend Minari and do think it is worth all the praise. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Anything else you want to add about the movie? No, I just I really think that everybody should go and watch it. And I feel like this is one that you could watch in your house or at the cinema. This was the first time we went back to the cinema in Mm. a long time. And the experience was a little less than pleasant because of some very excitable teenagers going in and out of the theater, enjoying life. I was trying to enjoy life too by watching a movie. But yeah, this one could go either way with that experience. Were you glad you saw it on the big screen rather than VOD paying $10 more to watch it at home? I was I was happy with watching it on the screen. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So yes, you can go to the theaters or see it on VOD and pay. I think it's like thirty dollars to see it. Okay, so that does it for the week in review. Now it's time to move on to the main event and our review of Godzilla versus Kong. This is our only chance. We have to take it. We need Kong. The world needs him. To stop what's coming. 
And this child. She's the only one he'll communicate with. I knew that they had a bond. She had nowhere to go, so I made a promise to protect her. And I think that in some way, Khan did the same. These are dangerous times. Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. There's something provoking him that we're not seeing here. I'm of the same opinion. The myths are real. Yeah. There was a war. And they're the last ones standing. I keep reaching for greatness because I'm built from it. Who bows to who? Nobody gonna stop for me. Kong bows to no one. And that was from the trailer to Godzilla vs. Khan. Supposedly, the final chapter, or where this whole legendary MonsterVerse series of movies has been leading all this time, all this time being since 2014's Godzilla American Revival by Legendary. The IMDb description of Godzilla vs. Khan, in case the title was not self-explanatory, is the epic next chapter in the cinematic monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another, the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Khan, with humanity caught in the balance, or in the middle, I would say. So this film is directed by Adam Wingard, who is known for also directing VHS Your Next The Guest and the Blair Witch remake. There's a remake? You didn't know that? No. Yeah, that was in 2016 that came out. He also directed the Death Note uh, movie that was on Netflix as well. It was an adaptation of I think that's anime or manga what have you. So he's kind of a hit or miss director, but when he hits with something like Your Next, Shannon, I don't know if you remember that slasher movie about the family. Oh, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. That's such a good one. He hits pretty hard. This film also stars Millie Bobby Brown, Kyle Chandler, Alexander Skarsgård, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Aiza Gonzalez, um, Shun Aguri, and Damian Bashir, and I think it's Keely Hoddle, as well as Julian Dennison. So when we review a movie, we like to first focus on the good, what we liked about a movie, uh, what worked for us, what were its strengths before moving on to the bad, what sucked about a movie, what were its flaws, and then we weigh whether or not the good outweighed the bad before moving into spoilers and final thoughts. And sometimes, in order to express our opinions, we have to get into spoilers. Sometimes it also allows us the opportunity to just talk a little more uh, freely about the film and and, uh, a little more in depth. So, Shanna, 
we have revisited recently, thanks to your excitement and um, your urging, the MonsterVerse series of films, which started with 2014's Godzilla, moved on to technically Con Skull Island, and then Godzilla King of the Monsters in 2019. I'm curious, Shanna, uh, what were your thoughts on the series, those movies in general? How does Godzilla vs. Khan fall into that and measure up? And did you find yourself rooting for any particular character in this case? Well, uh, let's start with the first question. I have really enjoyed revisiting this franchise. The series? The series. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, for our favorites list, we're doing versus movies. And there's, you know, Godzilla versus everyone. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah we watched a, a handful of those yeah i want godzilla versus big bird or something <laughs> you know anyway so there is definitely this appreciation that has grown mm. with regards to godzilla so i guess i'll answer the third question first going into it i was kind of rooting for godzilla because you know we've i've seen so much more of him mm. over the past two months mm-hmm and kind of have this respect for the creation of this and why he's created. You know, mm-hmm. nobody really talks about or like fully addresses in plain terms why Godzilla exists. Godzilla exists because of American nuclear testing yep. on islands that mm-hmm. are, if you go and look them up, they are barely there and you can see where they, they used to be land. And I've only recently learned about this because of the Burke Museum in Seattle that has a Native American section that looks into this part. And so I just think that the whole concept of Godzilla is fascinating. And if it can get a person to the next point of thinking, why is Godzilla around? You know, and then if you're looking into, you know, why, then it becomes this history lesson. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I think the original film does that, from 1954, does that probably more than these more recent MonsterVerse ones. Mm. Yeah. Because it's it's very much blatantly about that, you know? it's a It was a few years after World War II. See, I just thought it was because of World War II. Mm. I don't think about the testing that had to occur, had to occur, leading up to the actual use of it on... Mm. Mm-hmm. On Japan. On Japan. So I really was rooting for Godzilla. <laughs> I was hoping that he would be the one to reign. And I mean, why wouldn't he? He can swim. He can walk. <laughs> you know? The okay. only thing I haven't really, I don't think we really see him run. And like how many, he had to fight fucking Gingadon. What is his name? King Kong? No, in the previous film. Oh, Ghidorah. Ghidorah, or, yeah. I'm sorry, Ghidorah. Ghidorah. Yeah, the three-headed monster, yes. So, like, if you're going to fight Ghidorah, you can probably take care of the massive ape, mm. you know? Mm, okay. But at the same time, you see Skull Island, and you're like, hey, this this is a good character. He, he looks like us because he has expressions, oh, facial expressions. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's more protecting. Emotive. Yeah, he's protecting things. So even though Godzilla is doing that too. Mm-hmm. So there's like this kind of ping pong game. But mm. mostly I, I always root for Godzilla. 
Okay. And then as far as where does it rank in all the those films that we've watched, I mean, it ranks pretty high. I like Godzilla from 2014. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a fine film to reintroduce Godzilla to us. And I thought that the score is great and mm. the cast is great and all of that. And um, I'm not as big a fan of Godzilla, King of the Monsters with Mothra. Mm-hmm. But I like what Mothra does, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool, even though I'm terrified of moths. And <laughs> I also like Conskull Island for its cinematography. There's a lot of stupid stuff happening in that film. Mm. Like, why would the characters do this? Or why would the characters do this? But there's also a couple moments that are really cool. Mm. But the cinematography is especially my favorite in that one. Yeah. So Godzilla vs. Khan... King Kong, it kind of falls as like a second. Okay. Because I think Godzilla's first, and then I think this one. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, I'm kind of glad that you had us rewatch those movies because, especially with with 2014's Godzilla film, it was really great to have a refresher of how well-constructed that movie was as a major tentpole blockbuster movie. It, it's it works really well in that genre, but also or that that style of filmmaking, while also doing some really interesting things uh, from a filmmaking perspective. You know, I have whole, to interrupt you. What? I really love how they don't show much of Godzilla in the first one. Yeah, you don't see a lot of him. It's like. At first, yeah. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. nice, tricky, suspenseful filmmaking. Yes, but also, like, the whole beginning with Brian Cranston and Brian Cranston's character for the first half of the movie and Aaron Taylor Johnson's character and and the whole, like, halo jump sequence and the score through the film. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get too specific here, but... One thing that's really great about that movie, it makes it actually legitimately a really good movie and arguably the best Godzilla movie since the original, is how it knows what it has. It knows mm-hmm. what what people are all looking for. So it doesn't focus too much on the human characters, right? The human characters serve two purposes mostly. One setting the stage, setting the scene, what is going on and giving exposition. And the other one is giving exposition mostly. Um, and I'm sort of providing this POV of like, you know, this happening from the, the human's perspective, this the stuff with the mutos and Godzilla clashing. Right. But that is a really well done film. King of the Monsters, I think, is a beautiful film. It it really, when we saw the trailer, my jaw dropped because it looked like it was going to be stunning. And it was stunning. But it made the mistake of focusing too much on the human characters, creating really stupid characters with stupid motivations that drove the plot. But when it was the monsters clashing, that's when the movie was good. And you had some really great cinematography in it. So I, I was disappointed by King of the Monsters on the whole. I think we may have reviewed it a couple years ago on the podcast. Yeah, probably. When it came out. 
Uh, so you can go back and try to find that episode for more in-depth information on our, our thoughts. And then Con Skull Island. Yes, Con Skull Island was released in between these two movies, but like uh, we watched it third as kind of going back in time. And that is the worst of the previous three movies because that one is really dumb like really dumb you're you're absolutely right there's a lot of why are the characters do doing this why isn't the characters doing that you had issues with the photographer character there's a lot of stupid stuff and i like the cost i love who they've picked yeah i think it's a fantastic cost yes the cast is not the issue it's how they're written yeah and what they're asked to do that's the issue However, it also establishes that Khan is a really clever monster. It's a really clever creature. And so what makes Khan formidable is that he has a certain degree of ingenuity. and, And he is a clever fighter. He knows how to use his environment. He knows how to figure things out with his opponent. All this sort of stuff. So he also knows when to fight. You know, if he sees something, mm-hmm. this like this do I get involved? Don't I get involved? Mm. Kind of. Yeah. So I'm kind of hit or miss on the franchise. Largely I'm a bigger fan of the 2014 Godzilla more than the others. But the whole idea of this was to plant these seeds of Khan and Godzilla and all these other monsters and then come to a head with Godzilla versus Kong. Now, is this a Marvel woven equivalent? No. You know, you maybe needed a better team helping weave everything because at the end of Kong Skull Island, you have this, uh, what do you call it when there's something that happens at the end? A post-credits scene. Yeah, and then nothing happens with it. So it's like this waste of space. It was, that, that was one thing that's really interesting is you watch it and it, literally served no purpose other than to lead you into Godzilla King of the Monsters because supposedly these characters that are in Conskull Island get recruited to join Monarch in 1974 or 3 or whatever it is and yet you also know oh we will never see these characters again so them being recruited into Monarch is absolutely pointless because by the time king of the monsters takes place they would be in their mid to late 70s right so we know we never see them again and all this was all this scene serves is to set us up to get us excited about godzilla king of the monsters and it does nothing outside of that so again conskull island really dumb movie um not that great and I think I was kind of cool on it when we first when we first saw it. Let me ask you, Shanna. All that said, what was good about Godzilla versus Kong? The action was so awesome. I mean, you and I both have an issue if we're too close to the action and we can't actually see what's going on. Yeah. I think there was like a teeny bit of that, if anything, like a sprinkle. Hmm. But mostly... We were backed up. We had these epic scapes of, where, where were they? Hong Kong. Uh, in one scene, there in one sequence, they're in Hong Kong. Another sequence, another they're sequence, in the o- ocean. They're in the, like the ocean, ocean, mm. ocean. No islands. Yeah. 
everything was so perfect about, you know, this cinematic landscape that was created for this film. Mm. It was so wonderful. And I'm so glad that we saw it in the cinema because there's, I would have been so disappointed if we just watched it at home on our TV. Oh, yeah. There was no you know? way I would have wanted to do that. I thought the sound was awesome. I thought the score was great. It, it made me think of Blade Runner 2049. Hmm. I loved Godzilla. We got really detailed shots of him. Uh, mm -hmm. We were really looking at his whole face. Um, and I know that sounds weird, but on a cinema screen seeing both of his eyes there's just something really cool about that mm. and he's massive his scale is ginormous and i loved the new characters that we had the person who did the music is junkie xl aka tom holdenborg holkenborg yeah Holkenborg. I'm looking him up right now to find out what all he has composed. But it looks ahead. like he Keep works talking. with Zack Snyder on some of his stuff and all that jazz. I really love the cine the cinematography. The lighting was awesome. When they're in Hong Kong, it's just stunning. Hmm. I felt really good about them going there. We see a couple of other scenes later in the movie, too. So Junkie XL, also known as Tom Hulkenborg, he did the score to Mad Max Fury Road. And That's fantastic. You're right. He did the Zack Snyder DC movies, Batman v Superman and the Snyder Cut. He did Tomb Raider. He's done a lot. Alita Battle Angel, Terminator Dark Fate, Sonic the Hedgehog, Scoob. According to this, there's like... Over 50 movies that have been released that includes short short films and video games, actually, that he has scored. Deadpool is also one. Go ahead. I felt like I really got the time I wanted with the monsters. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of time with Kong. Um, it really was like Kong's story, and then Godzilla was here and there. So I feel like Kong got more screen time in a way okay uh we were like really focusing on his story his origin con cons and also um, the human plotting too and then the human stuff and and i liked who he was paired up with he was paired up with rebecca hall and newcomer kaylee hottle who yeah. i don't know anything about i just read that she's fourth generation deaf so i think that it's great that we're getting more deaf actresses out there between her and the actress from quiet place do mm -hmm. you recall her name i just blanked out on it i use it's a name that i know off the top of my head and i just blanked on it i'll get it go ahead i think it's wonderful that they're doing that i i want to see deaf actresses out there uh, they're just, they're such talented, wonderful individuals. Millicent, Millicent Simmons. That's right, Millicent. You know, when I saw Alex Scott was in it, I was like, oh, yes, wonderful. Because I'm a True Blood fan, so. Okay. And how, was and how was, was he one of the good things about the movie for you? I thought he was fine. Okay. I was, I was more into watching Kaylee Hottle and Julian Dennison, as well as Brian Tyree Henry, and, of course, Millie Bobby Brown. Hmm. That that was who I was more, like, drawn to. Okay. 
All right, so you like that trio in the film. Yeah, and then as far as putting this movie together, I thought it was going one way, and then it ended up going a different way. But maybe down the line, if things kept going that way, it could have involved my other theory. So that was nice. It was like a little, not predictable. It was just, oh, how can I put the puzzle pieces of what I know about the Godzilla franchise together and figure out what's going on here? Mm. Okay, maybe you can be specific about that during our spoilers discussion. I'd be interested in hearing what you were referring to. So I agree that this is the this is sort of a, a constant through this series. Anything having to do with the kaiju, they call them titans in the series, and that's kind of a thing I'm not really happy with. But anything having to do with this kaiju, the fights, is really well done really entertaining you get exactly what you're looking for out of this and it's never underwhelming or uninteresting so i love that i really appreciate kaylee hoddle and this character who is deaf the integration of sign language into a blockbuster is always a great thing the connection to khan i thought was really a nice touch a nice addition that i didn't expect in the film the way that that kaylee's character gia and khan interact i thought was great you know everything that's spectacle about this film is really the thing the selling point about the film that's the what the strengths are about this film yeah and how nice is it that you know how we know khan is he's always got the blonde beauty well, right? from the original 33 film, right? Yeah. Well, and a little bit of the uh, with Jack Black. The the mm. remake, yes. 2005's yeah. Peter Jackson's <clears throat> remake of that, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's what it usually is, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, and then you couldn't even make the same argument with Brie Larson's character in yes. this yes, series of movies. And so I just love that it became this this love and trust between someone who is native to Skull Island yes. and Kong. Right. And a little girl nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, is there anything else you want to say, non-spoiler, that you liked about the movie? You know, Millie Bobby Brown, Julian Dennison, and Brian Tyree Henry have a couple interactions, and I really love what they're doing, even if they're doing something stupid. Like something that doesn't make sense for the story. Okay. I did enjoy seeing the three of them playing off of each other. Okay. All right. All right. Well, was there anything bad about the movie? Any flaws or issues you had that you wanted to speak to here? Now's your opportunity. I don't really think I can speak about it here. Definitely in spoiler section, mm -hmm. I can say that there were some things that certain characters were doing that they probably wouldn't do in a real anything you know not i could i'm not saying this film has to be realistic we've but got kaiju for heaven's sakes right? yeah yeah but like when you're doing human things with other humans in a mm. human environment mm -hmm. you're gonna have certain repercussions and none of that happened Okay. Really. All right. Interesting. So that was a little like disappointing. 
Because it was infuriating, and it's the first time I've felt that way in a very long time. It sounds like we're going to have a lot to talk about in spoilers here. At least you are, for sure. I I feel like there's a, f- a few things that are not good about this movie. And all of it has to do with the human characters, pretty much. Uh, yeah, the- Con and <clears throat> Godzilla did nothing wrong. <laughs> like, they were just, like, perfect. So here's a couple of things that I can speak to that's specific that's kind of early in the first 20 minutes of the movie. First of all, we learn that Khan lives in a dome, which I had an issue with because it's like, wait a minute. All of a sudden you have this huge dome constructed around Khan or sorry, constructed around Skull Island. Where did this come from? When, like, we never heard any mention of this. How long has this been developed? There wasn't even a hint of it in articles shown at the end credits of the King of the Monsters film. Right. And there were a lot of articles shown. Well, and footage of Khan, too, by the way. The practicalities alone are staggering of how one constructs such a thing. And how many years that would take? And how do you do that when you have all these giant creatures on Skull Island? And, okay, so I, I had a hard time with that alone. It's like, okay, what? <laughs> and out but, of all the creatures that you're keeping that you could imprison, you're imprisoning Khan? Well, I was about to get to. The oh, idea isn't to imprison Khan. It was to protect Khan supposedly from Godzilla and that's another thing like this movie okay at the end of Godzilla King of the Monsters spoilers for that 2019 movie it ends with a bunch of other kaiju coming and bowing before Godzilla right so you think okay so now the world has kaiju running all around uh, Khan is just one of those, but he's staying off in the Skull Island. He's not really participating in anything. In this movie, there's no other kaiju suddenly around, and it suggests that Godzilla like fought all of them, some kaiju, all the kaiju, or whatever. All of them. But like, why do that when none of them were acting like alphas and they all bowed to Godzilla? The premise doesn't make sense at all compared to you know when you're yeah. following a continuity of these what has been established you know you just spent all this time in king of the monsters bringing these other kaiju to life to um where they're either rampaging just roaming around cities doing destruction causing destruction because of other issues in that movie i won't get into um but then you end it with them all bowing to godzilla why would godzilla kill them why would they fight godzilla that premise makes zero sense one, you know, we didn't watch all the Godzilla movies from the past, but one Godzilla movie that I can't recall the name of, there's a bunch of kaiju living on what they call Kaiju Island. Monster Island. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibility that they coexist. Yes, right. To a certain extent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So that's just the beginning of the movie, right? That's like the the and opening credits. It's not like I was like, oh boy, now I'm I'm checked out or anything. But it was a couple of things. There's a cut all of a sudden to Godzilla being on a barge, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. How or not Godzilla, but King yeah. Kong? It's like, how did you do that? How did you get him out of this dome you just established? How did you like 
get him on a freaking barge. Like how, how we, it was a weird cut that like there was no development. This thing really wanted to race to get to the, 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 the first action sequence as soon as possible. There are decisions or behaviors that people perform in this movie that makes zero sense. And I can't get into here, but we can in spoilers. There are some really great references to older movies, Godzilla, Godzilla's past that I'll get into in spoilers, but then they blow it all out the window. <clears throat> and that was an issue for me. I was like, what are you doing? This makes no sense at all. There's, there's just a lot of stuff. And then on top of it all, you have complete, utter, blatant waste of talent. What is Kyle Chandler doing in this movie? He's staring at monitors. He's wondering, hey, what's going on over there? What is that thing? What the daughter? You're wrong. That is the extent of his entire uh, script in this movie. What is Lance Reddick doing in this movie? He's in one shot at the uh, like third act of the film. He says two lines of dialogue. Why do you need Lance Reddick to say this? Because he's so fantastic. I hope he got paid a lot. I hope that he benefited a lot. It's insane. Literal waste of talent in this film at times. And on top of it all, like, I really did not buy into or really love Millie Bobby Brown's story arc in it. Uh, Julian Dennison is great to see. I, I was thrilled to see him have more work. But he's not really given a lot to do per se until like the script requires him to do a thing and then that fails but whatever and then the so this movie here's the thing well i drove away from this film thinking you know <laughs> i like the movie but it th there is a certain degree of like this is essentially like on the level of a good transformers movie where it's fun and there is only a certain degree of intelligence to it. It's not a Transformers sequel bad. It's not Transformers 2 or whatever. It's not that bad. It's not that that dumb and where it insults your intelligence. And, um, and, and there's just some really, really ridiculous stuff in it. But there are some really major issues in it, you know? So... Was it the best film for me? Did it even feel like a climax to all of this? Not really. But I do say that the good outweighs the bad. How about you? I mean, after all of what you just said, you're still going to say the good outweighs the bad? <laughs> yes, because what is, what is good about it is... I mean, it's an amusement park ride often, right? And you you, you kind of go into the film expecting a certain degree of that. It's Godzilla versus Kong. And it, it delivers on exactly what you expect. It's just not that smart about it at times. Yes. Uh, I am a firm believer on the good outweighing the bad in this film. Mm -hmm. Like this is, a, I love this film. You love this film? I love this film. Okay. Like how could I not? All like. Right. God, I love everything that's happening between Godzilla and Khan, and I love what's happening with Khan's people, you know, Godzilla's supporters. That's fine, too. 
Okay, that's like, fine too. <laughs> I just I just realized like who's who's which team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you rate the film out of ten? Oh, it's probably a seven. Okay. I give the film a six out of ten. That's fair. It it it's barely live up to my expectations. I liked it. I didn't love it. So shall we get into spoilers so you can share some of the thoughts that you're expressing earlier sure, in more let's detail? Do it. I can also talk freely about some things. Oh my gosh, you're gonna talk some more. <laughs> Yes, I have. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Okay, your review. (laughs) Our review. But Um, um, it was funny, though, because like I had no idea you felt like this strongly about it. Um, I obviously missed the conversation we were having or the conversation uh, you were having with friends. You're doing some very important Facebooking, I'm sure. You know what I was doing? I had a very bad stomach ache. That's what I was doing. Fair enough. I'm just surprised. I had a really good time. <laughs> yeah. No, I did, I did too. Again, the good outweighs the bad as far as we're both concerned. We just kind of vary a little bit on our issues of the film. Uh, if you haven't seen the film, we recommend you do. You recommend going to the theater instead of the TV if you can? Yeah. I mean, if you're a Godzilla person or a King Kong person and you can't get to the cinema, like don't break yourself over it. Um, or if you're waiting for the vaccine, then wait for the vaccine. But if you do have the means and are able to go to the cinema, go for it. 100% agree. From here on out, we're going to talk spoilers of Godzilla versus Khan. If you haven't seen the film, skip ahead to our film fave segment. You won't want to miss that. The, t- the timestamp's in the show notes. Take a look at that. If you have seen the film... Come join us for the rest of our discussion and our specific thoughts about Godzilla versus Khan starting now. All right, Shanna, spoilers for Godzilla versus Khan. Please go into some more detail about some of the, a couple of the thoughts you had shared earlier. So we have this organization. What is it called? Absis. <laughs> You have Monarch and you have Apex, as in the Apex Predator, that sort of thing. Okay, okay, gotcha. So then we have Apex, and this seems to be some sort of organization that appears to be somewhat profiting from the kaiju in some way. It's a tech company. Okay, it's a tech company. All right, so immediately I got vibes of like let's start a war and profit from the war from this particular organization company yes yes. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah sorry monarch is more like an organization and right apex is more like a company and so we've got millie bobby brown she's listening to a podcast by brian tyree henry's character and he's all about the conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. of what's going on with apex Mm -hmm. and he asks a question to millie's character julian's character he says do you do tap water and one does and one doesn't and i thought that that was pretty funny because tap water is not always the best thing i come from south africa where tap water has a lot of issues you know so i'm like yeah filtered water all the way you know and so i thought that that was fun And we follow these three characters, you know, infiltrating in their own way to find out what's going on. And all of a sudden we see eggs of skull crushers. 
Uh-huh. And so immediately I thought, oh, they're going to bring skull crushers back and they're going to profit because they're going to probably have some technology that can help fight it. Okay. You know, oh, we don't have to worry about, I was going to call him Reptar. <laughs> we don't have to worry about Godzilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got our own, you know, we're going to give you security systems and right. whatever. Right, gotcha, okay. So I like that idea. That but you came up with. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got, okay, like I thought that that's the direction they were going to head in. And then as I saw pieces of technology, I was like, well, hang on a second. Are we going to do Mechagodzilla? Because that would be pretty fun. And Mm -hmm. tech company, Mecha, Mm -hmm. that could be fun. Mm -hmm. And then it turned out that Mechagodzilla did come to fruition and that was pretty exciting Mm -hmm. and pretty cool and pretty scary but he has these three characters running around Mm -hmm. in all these different ways Mm -hmm. in this company Mm -hmm. at different locations Mm -hmm. and nobody notices them talking about different clearance yeah it's such bullshit Mm -hmm. like they would have been caught tenfold Mm -hmm. you know uh, so that's something that I really, really had a problem with. And, you know, they could have done something simple like, oh, we have one of those those uh, laser guns that zaps the security system. You know, <laughs> okay. I don't care. I don't care. Just give me a fun little funky tool and we're good to go. All right. But they didn't do that. So I had a problem with that. Uh-huh. And then we have got we have Mecha Godzilla and I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And seen gods, you know, Godzilla and Mega Godzilla. Well, they. You want me to, to fill in other things? No, no, no. Before we get to that, because, let me just because I want to speak to God, Mega Godzilla too. But th- let me speak to really quickly the thing of them infiltrating this company. Mm. Uh, I I hear what you're saying about the whole like security thing. I agree with you. My issue was when they enter this pit because they accidentally get transported to Hong Kong. Right. Somehow they survive going over 600 miles an hour. Yeah, I had a problem with that. <laughs> there were no seatbelts. There were no helmets. There were no oxygen masks. Right. This is bullshit. Because it was transporting mm-hmm. these skull crushers mm-hmm. that were designed to apparently fight something. Uh, yeah, that's that's That itself, if you think through that, that itself presents its own problems. But they go into this pit and they literally call out, oh, this is a sacrificial pit. And what do they do? And you can see all the blood and the body. Oh, and yeah. Never mind the green warning cinematography lighting. What do they do? Do they go right back to their, the doorway that they came through? No. They're like, hey, let's investigate. It's dark in here. We can't see if anything's in here that caused all this gore. Let's look around. Which, to me, I'm slapping my face like, what are we doing? How is this... How am I supposed to buy into this? I'm just telling you, if I smell death, I'm going back the way I came in. And I will admit, like, it didn't go in a direction that I was expecting, which is like some sort of uh, other Kaijiro monster in the darkness there. But Yeah, I thought there were skull crushers walking around freely. Which is there. which is a fair assumption when you have skull baby skull crushers transported. Uh, you don't really know where this is going. And this is all, by the way, headed by Damien Bashir's character, who, oh my god, I, I just can't even. But this it is revealed then it is Mechagodzilla, which I had remembered like right before 
that was being revealed, I remembered, oh, yeah, this was spoiled for me when I was doing research for um, these uh, for Godzilla and these versus movies and stuff. I actually saw Godzilla listed on this Mecha Godzilla listed on this movie. I was like, ah, oh, that was a mile. That Mecha was a spoil. Godzilla was spoiled for you. It was. But I forgot about oh. it uh, up until right before it was revealed. So go ahead. Your thoughts on Mecha Godzilla. So I thought his design was great. I thought, man, that's crazy. And when I saw Godzilla and Mecha Godzilla fighting, and I saw the laser, the laser eyes or the laser mm-hmm. mouth, I yeah. can't remember. I was really scared for Godzilla's life. Like I was really panicky mm-hmm. because even when Godzilla was fighting Ghidorah, yeah, uh, in the previous movie, yeah, I. I was fine because I was like, no, Godzilla can take care of this. It's going to be okay. Okay. And this robot, like the the mecha was just really killing me. And I was like, oh, my God, he might actually just kill Godzilla. Uh-huh. So it was very believable. And I was fine with how mecha Godzilla grew its own conscious. I mean, I think that it was really Ghidorah's consciousness fully embracing due to the power it got to have uh-huh. with the blue stuff. Like, uh-huh. that's the theory I'm landing on. I think that's what I was trying to suggest, love. Yeah, like, Ghidorah's, like, I keep wanting to call Ghidorah Gingadon. <laughs> so Ghidorah's like, Ghidorah's like, I'm alive again. This is fantastic. Move over, humanoid. Okay, so that's where the movie lost me. Because, okay, so here's the thing. I watched... A movie called from 1975, I think, called Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It was the last of the original era of Godzilla movies, and it's not good. But in that movie, you have an alien race of human humanoid aliens that are established in the series, and um, it says basically that these aliens sent this other Godzilla down to destroy, you know, it's causing havoc, it's destroying cities. And then you have the real Godzilla come out of a mountain or whatever it is. And um, you, and you see, oh, there's two Godzillas. One Godzilla damages another Godzilla and some metal is revealed and it eventually is revealed, oh, there's this, it's a Mecha Godzilla. And <clears throat> the thing is, it's controlled by one of the aliens, okay? So that's actually something that this movie did really well is, oh, like it's it's no, there's no aliens necessarily. But and and this whole corporation thing is is very contrived and silly. But you do have this setup of creating a a mecha Godzilla to or or a a, hmm, how do I put this? This idea of a Godzilla terrorizing the cities. In this case, it was Godzilla, and people were like, why is Godzilla attacking us? He's supposed to protect us. And that was kind of like the same feeling that the beginning of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla had when people thought it was actually Godzilla. So that was kind of cool to have that callback. And also in this version, you do have Mechagodzilla controlled by a person, which is cool because that's how it originally was. But also, you're also introducing like this whole like subgenre of mechs, which is a huge deal in Japanese cinema and anime and all these other things. It's like, oh, that's so cool. And we've seen it in Pacific Rim. And that was very exciting. The idea that a skull, a skull 
suddenly takes control of this thing makes no sense. It's absurd. It lost me right there. I was like, what is happening? You had it fine previously with this dude controlling it. What are we doing? And then, like, when that happens, for whatever reason, that makes zero sense whatsoever, Mechagodzilla instantly targets the corporate leader and, and kills Sometimes the deaths in this movie kind of are cheap, like, they had to happen deaths. They don't, like, they don't feel organic mm. they are, or whatever. And they're not that satisfying. Yeah, like all the other kaiju. What do you mean? Well, yeah, I guess, <laughs> but I meant of the humans. Yeah. Like, Dam- the Damien Bashir's uh, corporate leader death is kind of like well why would that happen because it seems to be specifically targeting him and there's no reason for it to do that even you know especially if you're going along with this idea that it's Ghidorah doing this like what what sense does that well, make? I don't know maybe Ghidorah also had the the guy the character that was controlling through Ghidorah mm-hmm. like maybe it had it like took on good that that person's consciousness uh-huh. and maybe it's a combo i don't know maybe mm. it heard that and was like oh i need to take this guy out the minute i come through none of that is ever dictated in the movie whatsoever well yes you know i'm very good at conjecture so you you do jump through a lot of hoops sometimes to justify some things <laughs> uh so you know mechagodzilla in, in general was really cool and and it's a really cool thing that I hope is kept under the wraps and isn't spoiled for people because it's a nice surprise to see. It is. It is really nice. You know, I couldn't get through all the gods of the movies that we were watching, but right. but I was kind of sad that I didn't get to see what Mecha Godzilla was like. And, and it now is, I got it. It is pretty much like in this movie. It, it, it fires things off of its fingers. It's able to do things with its hands. It has eye powers. It, it has its own fire breath. It it um, is able to fly. It does a, a bunch of things, um, some of which you see in this movie. In that film, the original film, there's another kaiju called King Caesar that is awoken to help Godzilla fight this thing. And all it takes is for King Caesar and Godzilla to tear off its head and end of, and that's the end of Mechagodzilla. And that doesn't exactly happen in, in this. It eventually happens, right? But it isn't exactly the solution that they come up with, but it works. It was fun. I liked seeing King Kong and Godzilla work together. You know, we have this wonderful ax that's made from a spike from a lizard, you know, from Godzilla. So, from Godzilla. Yes. So anyway, it, you know, and it regenerates the blue source, and that's what the the people want. And the, then the people being the company. Yeah, being the company. Which, by the way, how they <laughs> download that power from Hong Kong to the center of the Earth is like absurd. They're mimicking it, right? They just, they don't have the code for it. They don't have the algorithm right. And then when they actually have a sample, they're able to analyze it and mimic it. Okay. That was a lot of who, that was, that was jumped through within like seconds in the movie. And I didn't get all of that. I thought like it was really a lot dumber than that, but okay. I'll go ahead. It, it helps to be around someone that does coding for a living sometimes because okay. then you, you figure out how their brains work, okay? Okay. And then you're like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Yeah. All right. Anyway, 
What did you want to uh, say about the this whole series of events? You know, Khan gets back up to the earth, and then Kaylee Hoddle has to tell Khan, "Godzilla's not your enemy. That over there is your enemy." And then the yeah. two of them fight together, and it's this glorious moment of teamwork and amazingness for the greater good. And yeah. I just I really enjoyed that fight in particular. So I've said a lot about the movie. Yeah. Here's what I think. Like, I only had a problem with the humans at certain points. Mm-hmm. When you're, like, the trope of, I'm a scientist, I'm exploring theories, and a CEO of a large tech company wants my help. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should question, really, what their motives are. Yeah. Like, that trope is kind of done to death for me. Yeah. And I would have point. preferred something better. That's You're speaking that. to Alexander Sarsgaard's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Like, I knew something was happening, either war for profit or something, Yeah. you know? Yeah. For someone who's a scientist, he really didn't make good deductions. Or maybe he <laughs> just really wanted what he wanted. Uh, yeah, I don't, know. I don't even really know what his motivation was, really. But between the two teams, human teams, I think uh, I had more laughs with Godzilla's team Although I somewhat enjoyed, like, the best part of Khan's team was Hoddle. Yeah, I agree with that. I won't knock Rebecca Hall at all because I think that she's doing pretty well uh, in this kind of a movie. Uh, she's, she's usually better than this kind of material, but she really makes it work. And, 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 I, and I'm never like, what are you doing in this? Or feel like it's beneath her or anything she does really well but yes i agree with you there the only other thing that i'll say is you know godzilla was a national like metaphor for the 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 nuclear devastation that an entire nation went through after a war or you know in a war and this movie and this series says oh yeah no 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 they weren't. Te- it wasn't caused by nuclear testing. Uh, they were actually trying to blow up Godzilla with the nukes at the time, and then they create this whole like center of the earth thing, and it kind of takes away f- the meaning and the purpose of Godzilla. You know, my that one is a little more open ended. You know, what God, what King Kong's really about. Uh, and it certainly doesn't cross over into this series at all in terms of his what he represents. So there is definitely a lot that's lost in terms of any mm. sort of depth or metaphor in this and uh, kind of taken away from the meaning of what Godzilla is. So that's a, I do kind of lament that. That is kind of a bummer. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we don't need any of that stuff. We just need creatures punching each other. And that's kind of a bummer for me. Any other thoughts uh, you wanted to share about this film? No, go watch it. All right. So those are our thoughts on Godzilla vs. Khan. What did you think about the film? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Now it is time to move on to Film Faves. Film Faves is a segment inspired by a feature on the website wherein we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. The idea is to show you a little bit, give you an idea of our taste in film, but also to hopefully expose you 
to titles you have not heard of or seen before. To that end, when a movie is available on a certain subscription service, we will let you know. We focus on Apple TV+, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Max, and Disney+. Plus. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. All right. So we focus on those. We'll let you know if a movie is on those services. Often, movies are not. They might be available to rent on Amazon, though. So you can always check that out if it's not on one of the services we mentioned. This time, we are focused. We This this is a Godzilla versus Khan. X versus Sever. Kramer versus Kramer. The Titans of Cinema. The the. Clash the Battles Royale. We wow, are focusing honey. on wow. versus movies. <laughs> movies with verses in the title. So I pulled together a complete list of every theatrically released movie that um, has verses in the title. And that brought about 38 or 39 total films. Okay, so of those 38 or 39 total films, I think 14 are Godzilla movies. And I have seen out of the 38, 39 movies, I have seen a total of 25 films. Shanna, out of those 39 movies, how many did you find that you had seen? I hadn't seen a lot. And this became quite a difficult project for me at times because we would start going through Godzilla movies and not all of them are great. <laughs> There's a lot of them that are not great. Mm. Um, and then, you know, time was just a really huge issue for me. Well, we did spend over a month on this. We pretty much knew that it was going to result in a joint list from the start um, and we did knock out several films, actually, that one or both of us hadn't seen as well. There's a couple of movies I didn't even know existed before researching this. And, and one of those will come up later. What did you get? Out, did you enjoy? Did you get any um, nice surprises out of the experience of watching these versus movies? Yeah, there were one or two that I was pleased with. I also really liked that I learned more about Godzilla, mm. the history of Godzilla cinema, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe there's a documentary out there that looks into that. I would totally be into watching that. Maybe on the Criterion of God, Godzilla. Oh, yeah, maybe. There's yeah. a whole box set, you know. That would be so. really cool. Some of these were really difficult to get through and some of these were surprises and some of them I was not interested in watching. So it mm. was kind of this like three three columns, very clearly defined, done. <laughs> yeah, and I will actually say that, you know, there were 25 that I have seen, but there were a couple I wanted to see that I didn't get to squeeze in. For me, that was Monsters vs. Aliens and Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. Was there anything, Shanna, that you wanted to see but couldn't squeeze in? I know that you've said to me I need to watch Kramer v. Kramer. Versus Kramer, yeah. Yeah, that would have been fine. I, for a brief moment, thought maybe I should watch Batman versus Superman again. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped myself. <laughs> okay. I really wanted to watch Eagle versus Shark, mm. but it just did not happen. We have been working so hard. Mm. Um, it, it just didn't happen. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, let's get started with our 12th pick. Shall I get us started this time, Shanna? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'll start with our uh, number 12 and 11 picks. The first one is Freddy vs. Jason from 2003, available on HBO Max. This is pretty much what you might expect if those names ring a bell for you. Freddy Krueger vs. Jason Voorhees. This was a much-anticipated movie. I remember very early on in the Internet Movie News days, uh, following and tracking, and, and it was in development hell for a while. Ever since, I think I, I, I credited the title of this movie wrong in a previous episode. It was, gosh, it was called Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. It was like Jason 9 or something from 1996, maybe before that. That movie literally ends with Freddy Krueger's hand coming out of the ground and grabbing Jason Voorhees' mask. Oh. Teasing, eventually, this film that took seven-plus years to get to the screen. And it's not perfect. It's not quite what everybody was looking forward to. But I think it's a lot of fun. I know, Shannon, you don't quite remember uh, the movie very well. You didn't get to revisit it with me. I did watch rewatch some of it to recapture my memory, but may- maybe this will help you. Basically, Freddy realizes he's being forgotten. He can't have that, <laughs> right? And so okay. he finds Jason it's Voorhees. It's like a bad vision of Coco. <laughs> He wakes up, wakes up Jason Voorhees, essentially by entering his dreams and telling him essentially to go to Freddy's town. I forget the name of it and to wreak havoc. And Jason Voorhees does. And everybody blame starts blaming Freddy Krueger and brings him up again. And that starts giving him power once again. That's his ultimate goal. But unfortunately, he's unleashed a monster and it's starting to get in his way. So he's got to do something about that. This movie is kind of fun. It is a little bit more of a Jason movie than a Freddy movie, but it's a blast. That's Freddy vs. Jason 2003 HBO Max. Next is Borg vs. McEnroe from 2017, available on Hulu, a very different movie. One of the movies I was most impressed with that I caught up with uh, in this whole project, it is essentially about these two tennis stars. One's Swedish, one's American. The American is a complete dick. He's played by Shia LaBeouf. The Swede, I don't have the actor's name. He's not someone I I recognize. He almost looks like Alexander Skarsgård, actually, Shanna. Um, Or maybe it's one of the children, because I think there's like five. Yeah, I don't don't think that was his name at all. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying he looked somewhat like him. And McEnroe, um, or no, he's he's Borg. He's like a four-time champion at Wimbledon, I think it is. And it's about this this match between McEnroe and Borg. Who wins? And, you know, there's a couple things I have issues with, but it's actually really interesting drama. I highly recommend it kind of went under the radar for us in 2017. Uh, Shanna, you were like, I'm not interested in a tennis movie. But 
this was worthwhile. So that's Borg versus McEnroe, our 11th favorite, 2017 on Hulu. Shanna, tell us about our 10th favorite pick of our versus movies. I will tell you about our 10th favorite pick because this was quite something for me. This is The People versus George Lucas from 2010. This is the documentary about how Star Wars fans became angry Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, okay. So here's what happened, okay, for me, my experience. My experience is I somewhat grew up with Star Wars. I got it the second time that it came around mm-hmm. in the, the 90s. The special editions. Yeah, and it got re-released into cinemas, and it was very exciting. My brother got to go to one Star Wars movie for his birthday in April. I got to go to the next Star Wars movie for my birthday in May. And it was a very fun, exciting experience. Mm-hmm. Yay, like I love being a geek, and hey, a lot of geeks are around me. They're all boys, but okay, great. I... Never understood why people would be so angry at George Lucas, the person that gave them Star Wars in the first place, the reason that they are geeks Mm. in the first place. Mm. So I always used to dismiss it. But this documentary shows you why there's angry Star Wars fans, why there are Star Wars fans that have lost all faith in George Lucas. Mm. And it gives you the reasons in a very clear way mm-hmm. because it's always been this mystery to me i'm like well why why do you hate george lucas you can't ask that question you can't ask well why don't you like george lucas because it's just there's too much emotion attached to it mm. so i needed something that was gonna give me the answer mm. and the answer was sound what this movie does well is it gives you that answer mm. what it does not do well is it doesn't have enough female voices i would have liked more i know this was made in 2010 but believe you me there have been female star wars fans across the world for a very very long time secondly what it doesn't do right is two of the fans are very inappropriate with their language uh, and choice of words really language you can swear totally fine But when you're like saying the things that these two particular talking heads were saying, that's a bit much. Um, So go watch this if you need a clear answer. But it is a favorite of ours. (laughs) It is because we get a clear answer. But I'm also going to say what's wrong with it. Okay. Much like you. I had a good time with Godzilla versus King Kong, but here's what, what I had a problem with. Okay. All right. It's meant to be comical. I would say that it's an interesting document of a particular time because this is right before Disney bought Lucasfilm also and and before the sequel trilogy. And And we have spoken, you and I spoke about, well, wouldn't it be cool if they did another one of these? Yeah, sort of. More inclusive. Yeah. And talking about where the franchise is now. Yeah, it's interesting how the, the hate has really splintered uh, since anyway, so that's the People versus George Lucas from 2010. Shanna, you want to talk about number nine or shall yeah. I? All right, nine is Joe versus the volcano from 1990, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. This was the first time those two had starred together in a movie, and as a matter of fact, they star a few times in the movie <laughs> as Meg Ryan plays three different characters in the film. Essentially, it's this very unique and quirky and odd dark comedy about a hypochondriac 
who learns he's dying, he accepts an offer to throw himself in a volcano at a tropical island, and, you know, he meets someone that may be his love. This is directed by John Patrick Shanley, who did not do a lot of movies afterwards, I think, but he did, like, he wrote the script to Moonstruck and stuff. I think this movie was a little bit of ahead of its time. It's not a great film. I think the best film of the of the three pairings of these two leads is Sleepless in Seattle by far. But it is second best in the sense that you have a very interesting Kaufman-esque uh, vision in the first third of this film. You know, when he's going to work, it's a very... It's it's very Kaufman-esque, man. It's very weird. It's very dark. It's left of center. It reminds little... me of Brazil. Sure, right. It's a little left. It, it's ahead of its time. And I think there's a lot to appreciate in that sense. And there, are, it is funny, too. I mean, Ossie Davis has a couple scenes in it that's really funny. Yeah, it's also got Lloyd Bridges, Robert Stack, Abe Vigoda, and Dan Hadaya and even Amanda Plummer in it. Nice cast, and I think it's mostly forgotten. Joe versus the Volcano. It is our ninth favorite versus movie. Shannon, what's our eighth and seventh? Our number eight is Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans from 2019. And that's available on Hulu as well as HBO Max. So pretty exciting. Probably because it's DC. A lot of DC stuff is going to be on HBO Max. This is a really fun movie about multiverse. You've got the the Teen Titans versus the Teen Titans Go. And Teen Titans Go is the very comical, you know, very like Animaniac type. Very silly. Universe. And then you've got Teen Titans, which is more serious. But then, you know, what's really fun about this is you get to see like Robin from this one versus Robin from that one. And what they're like like who is interacting well with each other it really says a lot about their egos and who's not and they're basically teaming up to take care of trigon uh but not only trigon from the more serious universe mm. but also the more comic mm-hmm. comical universe and it's it's really fun it's enjoyable i don't know a lot about teen titans but this was really fun for me Excellent. That's Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans from 2019 on Hulu and HBO Max. And Shanna, tell us about number seven. Our next one is a really fun surprise. I like the title of this one, but you never know what you're going to get. I thought Mm. we were going to get something from the 90s or 80s, but this is from 2020. (laughs) So super exciting. It is Vampires versus the Bronx, and it is available on Netflix. It is so worth watching. It is so much fun. If you are a vampire fan or, you know, interested in the depiction of gentrification in film, which is a pretty, in a way, a cool genre, subgenre in film, because of the way that they educate people every time about what it means is it's a good is thing. really unique. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's good to know about. It is a comedy horror. It's only about 85 minutes. It's a group of young friends from the Bronx. They're fighting to save their neighborhood from gentrification as well as vampires. Mm-hmm. And it is just such a lot of fun. 
I love the characters in this film. We've got Jaden Michael, Gerald Jones the third, Gregory Diaz. Diaz. I'm sorry, Diaz. Uh, what number is that? The fourth. The fourth. <laughs> We've got Sarah Caden. And then who is the shop owner? He is so cool. Um, I'm trying to remember the shop owner's name even, the character's name. It's been a while since we've seen this film. But anyway, the cast is really great. We've There's a couple of lines in there that are really funny. Like, uh, I think it's Coco Jones. She says that her grandmother has been getting her ready for this her whole life. And it's just really fun to see how they all fight the vampires. And it's, it's fantastic. I think it's Kid Miro. If Kid I'm Miro? Not, I think so. Okay. Who, who uh, plays the shop owner. Yeah, I really enjoyed him. I enjoy all the mothers of these boys um, and the grandma. And it's just a really fun film and a great take on the notion of gentrification. Okay, so our sixth favorite movie at the halfway mark here is from 1936. It is definitely our oldest entry in this list. It was a big surprise for me. Didn't even know this movie existed. Don't know how it's possible with the cast here. Wife versus Secretary, directed by Clarence Brown, who I believe did like National Velvet and The Yearling, starring Clark Gable, Gene Harlow, and Myrna Loy, the wonderful Myrna Loy, who is so excellent in this film, is about the wife of a publishing executive mistakenly believes that her husband's relationship with his attractive secretary, played by Gene Harlow, is more than professional. I just found this film to be a delight. Clark Gable is in comedy mode here. James Stewart also has a minor role in the film. Just to see these four people in a movie together is a treat. And it actually very craftily sets up the the situation that makes sense why a, a wife would be would lead to believe one thing that casts a lot of doubt when actually a whole nother scenario is uh, what's going on here. Yes, mistakes are made, but it's just a really delightful comedy. One of the biggest surprises of this list for sure. That's Wife versus Secretary from 1936. Shanna, this next one I believe was a lovely discovery for you, was it not? Yes, our next one has my favorite, Zoe Lister-Jones, but also Greta Gerwig. Two of your favorites. Uh, who is also a favorite. But, Two of your favorite directors of all time. But really, Zoe Lister-Jones is my favorite favorite. So, <laughs> this is a great movie. It's, um, she, Greta Gerwig is dumped by her boyfriend three weeks before their wedding. They mm. got engaged and everything. And she enlists her close friends for a series of adventures she hopes will help her come to terms with approaching 30 as a single woman. She's basically going through a really bad breakup and she has a bad relationship with herself and she has a bad relationship with her friends and it's basically her healing from that, figuring it out, becoming an adult. And I love Greta Gerwig next to Zoe Lister-Jones and if we could have more of that, that would be great. If they want to direct together, why not? You know, maybe it's too much, but I think that it would be great to see more of their work. It's also worth noting that Zoe Lister-Jones co-wrote the screenplay to this film, and it's directed by, I believe, her husband. Am I wrong about that? I could be wrong. Daryl Ween is the director of it. Uh, this was a delightful surprise. I didn't remember 
liking it as much as I did this time watching it with you. So I'm glad that um, we got to watch it together. Uh, Shannon, do you want to talk about our number four, our fourth favorite versus movie? Our fourth one needs an introduction because it just had about an hour worth of introduction. <laughs> it is Godzilla versus Khan from this year, from right now. It's available on HBO Max, but you should really go watch this one in the cinema if you are willing and able to. I don't know what else I could possibly say about this. This is the fight of all fights when you were like doing your little drum roll epic monologue introduction to this list this is the one that i figured you were talking about but that's not what all the movies are like in this list right <laughs> but here we are the, the, this is what that was for it was a, a reintroduction of this movie very good and you you know it's fitting because you definitely loved that film uh this next one our third favorite versus movie was actually in, in a bit of an education for you wasn't it shanna yeah, I didn't look, guys. Like, I like the Beatles, but I'm not a Beatle crazy person. I don't commit to musical artists unless they're people that make scores. All right, like you have a very weird aversion to <laughs> saying that you love a, a musician, a I'm not music gonna artist. Commit. I'm not going to commit. Okay, <laughs> like they'll break my heart. How? So <laughs> Especially if they're dead. <laughs> That's why they'll break my heart, Jeff. <laughs> okay, but. Anyway, I knew very little about John Lennon, but I knew the drama that existed that was created by other men in the artist community because I got it from some of my professors. And that was always like, well, I don't want to know anything because these people are just carrying on. And this was the best way to learn about how amazing and wonderful and how much of an activist John Lennon was. And that is the movie, in case we haven't said, The U.S. versus John Lennon from 2006, the second and last documentary on our list. And Shanna, what is our... So here's the interesting thing. Our, we have a kind of a tie for number one here because how we ranked the next two movies were just in reverse order. So... <laughs> Essentially, this is our tie for number one. We're going to go in alphabetical order here in, descent, order here in descending order. So, Shanna, why don't you let people know about our second favorite, technically, versus movie. This was a movie I introduced to you. Yeah, and I didn't want to watch it for the longest time. And then we started watching it, and I was like, what is this amazingness? Mm -hmm. It is so good. It is Tucker and Dale versus Evil from 2010. It is about two adorable hillbillies <laughs> try, just trying to have a good weekend together, have a little mini vacation remodel because they're going to, you know, the one has inherited this cabin yep. that's completely dilapidated, yep. just falling apart. Yep. And what better way to spend a vacation than working with your best buddy with some beers and some tools and fixing this place up. With a little fishing thrown in. A little bit yep. of fishing. Yep. And what could what could go wrong? Preppy kids Teenagers. that buy into you know, uh, what is that movie with Texas you know, Chainsaw Massacre? By the one on the river. Oh, Doodle -doo 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 -doo. oh deliverance. Like, I'm doing murder she wrote. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, deliverance. It's like, a little bit of like dueling banjos. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, what could go wrong? 
the teenagers could go wrong. They could go so wrong. You know, bad things happen. It's hilarious. I, it's just such a fun one. It's so mm-hmm. great. And, you know, Tucker and Dale are the sweetest beings in the world. Yep. Yep. Uh, played by uh, Alan Tudyk. For one, I don't know as well who plays Dale. What's his name? Tyler Labine. I'm not as familiar with him, but he's great in this too. Very sweet guy. And then finally, our next pick, our last pick for our favorite versus movie is Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim versus the World from 2010, available on Netflix. I have sung the praises of this film numerous times. I have named it one of the best movies of the decade. Shanna, what can you contribute? What 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 is it? Why is it so highly ranked for you? This is one of the funnest films out there. If you ever had experiences in a video arcade game, this is the film for you. If you had experiences with Nintendo, DS, and Sega, this is for you. There's a lot of like. We were speaking about the word nostalgia Mm. earlier, and that's the time I miss. I miss just sitting in front of my TV, playing my Sega or Nintendo, and and not having any responsibilities. That was a great time of my life. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I want to go back and skip the puberty. But and what's interesting is you combine that that sentiment with the idea of having a relationship and 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 being responsible for someone's feelings (laughs) right what (laughs) and that's what this movie does right sure (laughs) well i was thinking of like the visual like the visuals and the graphics but yeah there is definitely this this lovely arc that scott goes through isn't it Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's this it's almost like this nice barrier of protection that she's putting up. What is her name? Are you talking about Nias Chow or one of the other people? <laughs> talking about the love interest. Oh, oh, Ramona Flowers. Yeah, so Ramona's kind of got this weird concept of like, oh, you have to get through my exes. Yep. But they're kind of boundaries. Like, are you worth it? Show me how you're worth it. Me trusting in you and having a relationship with you. Let's see. I also see it as kind of like dealing with the baggage that comes with with um, being with someone of their past relationships and, and what sort of uh, pros and cons in terms of experiences they've had because of those relationships and how that affects your potential relationship with that person. That's a really great point because it will affect it will affect you both. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Either's experience will affect both of you. Yeah. Should you decide to go down that path. Do you want to go down that path? (laughs) Is it worth it? Well, Ramona certainly was. And that about does it for our favorite versus movies. What are some of your favorite versus movies? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us in this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, before we talk about the next episode, why don't you share with us where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram, Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography, Nano Flick Chart, Spellbinding A. Excellent. And now here are the many places you can find Jeff. That's right. Of course, there is the main site, thegibsonreview.com. You will find 
other episodes of the Movie Lovers on there, but also a lot of other articles and features, including my Disney Through the Years series of articles. You will also find on there uh, past reviews. Uh, go to social, follow me on social media, facebook.com slash the Gibson Review. Uh, Instagram is a great place. I'm quite prolific on there. I do bracket polls on Instagram. And as a matter of fact, we have had a couple polls on there that have determined some winners. I did a, a kind of a brief poll, not, not really a bracket poll, but I asked people because I released my uh, 60s animated movies, uh, Disney Through the Years feature, I asked people what is their favorite Walt era Disney animated movie. And The Jungle Book by a landslide ended up being people's favorite Walt era animated Disney movie. I also did a bracket poll on favorite dragon movie. I don't think this was finished quite yet in the last, the time of the last episode. Uh, your favorite dragon movie was spirited away by Hayao Miyazaki. And then we also have done your favorite Godzilla movie kind of perfect for this episode and your favorite Godzilla movie ended up being 2014's Godzilla, which beat out Godzilla versus Biolant from the early 80s, I believe it is. Maybe it's early 90s. Right now we're doing your favorite women in history movies in honor of the last episode. That might still be running. Maybe, maybe not by the time um, you get this episode. Uh, if not, you can check the uh, posts. But soon we will be doing your favorite versus movies as well. I will be choosing 32 of the 39 films and having you vote for your absolute favorite. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, you can also find me on Flickchart, the Gibson 99. Next time on The Movie Lovers, we're going to have another battle royale, so to speak. I will not be uh, so-and-so versus so-and-so, but it will kind of be, you know, maybe Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. Maybe Liu Kang versus Johnny Cage. Maybe Sonya Blade versus Kano. It is Mortal <laughs> Kombat we'll be reviewing as the main event. And at, at, at this time recording... We may not have a film faves list because we already did video game movies, y'all. With our review of Tomb Raider, I think it was, back in 2017. So not really sure what we would do with Mortal Kombat. So we might just... I'm saying we should just binge Mortal Kombat stuff. But that's just me. Well, we already watched Mortal Kombat Legacy. We'll talk about that in the next episode as well. So stay tuned. Feel free to follow on Instagram if there is any additional announcements. Until, let's see, where will, when will that episode drop? That episode will drop Tuesday, April 27th. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Mortal Kombat! Bye-bye.